Right, we're reading this evening from uh, the book of James, and it's uh, chapter 3, and we're looking at verses 13 to 18. I'm not going to give you a Bible page reference because we're not holding Bibles, but please use whatever Bible you have with you. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, and then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening, everybody. Good to see you this evening. Um, And if you're watching the recording online afterwards, then good evening or good morning or good afternoon or good night or whenever you're watching it. I don't know. Um, My name's Chris. It's lovely to be with you. Um, Let's pray together and then we look at this passage together. Uh, Heavenly Father, you tell us that if any of us lacks wisdom, uh, we should ask you, who give generously to all without finding fault. So Father, we ask you tonight, please give us your wisdom for our good and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, Last year, I had a disagreement within church. I won't say the detail. Uh, in the course of this disagreement, though, I sent uh, an email that caused uh, some upset uh, for at least a couple of reasons. Uh, first, I hadn't explained something I should have done. And second of all, some of my email was uh, pretty blunt, actually. So there was understandably um, some upset. And I might think, okay, is that such a big deal? I mean, these things happen, right? Well, in fact, the impact of this disagreement was pretty big. For example, as a result, I think it's fair to say that everyone involved found being at church harder. Really? I mean, do you naturally want to be somewhere where you just know there's going to be some tension? It's harder. It's harder. And for myself, I noticed myself kind of backing off people involved a bit. Maybe you know that kind of thing. Um, A relationship is tense and you feel like, "I I don't want to be there. And before you know it, you're backing off, you're avoiding them. That kind of thing. Disagreements leading to a breaking, frankly, a breaking of peace. Our subject tonight is about how to make peace in our church. Uh, Saying peace, peace be with you, peace be with you, that's easy. Uh, Making peace, that's hard. That's hard. Uh, James, the writer of this letter, is very concerned about making peace in local churches. Uh, Remember his key themes, if you've been here before. Uh, He said, uh, what you believe needs to be lived out, have a deep impact on your behavior, 
That's one thing. Also, our lives need to be joined up. Not contradictory, but consistent. And in the, here in the middle of chapters, James addresses not just our kind of individual lives, uh, but our lives as church community. Are we together living out what we believe? Are we together living joined up lives? Are we doing that? And last Sunday evening, we heard uh, that the most dangerous things that we have together are our tongues. We boast, we curse, very dangerous. And the thing is, we are a spiritual family together. Uh, but we disagree about things. We have different opinions, talents, different gifts, different passions, different ideas. Not only that, but we have different disappointments, different sadnesses, different emotional scars, that kind of thing, different problems. So James says, well, with all that in mind, how on earth can we make peace in our church? And James says, through peace-loving humility. Peace-loving humility. That's our headline tonight, really. Peace-loving humility. So an angry message pops up in your inbox. Feels so annoying. How to respond? Peace-loving humility. Or you're chatting in a church group and someone says a comment that just you really disagree with. So frustrating. How to, how to respond? Peace-loving humility. Or someone in your, your serving team turns up really late and doesn't seem to care. Feels so rude. How to respond to that? Peace-loving humility. Or even, I don't know, on the street, you bump into uh, that person at church who just, you just find difficult. You just want to run away. How to respond? Peace-loving humility. Uh, so we'll go through our passage in a, a few sections. So let's have a look at it together. So do open up your Bible again if you have one with you. Um, and we'll go through this. So let's start with verse 13. James says, question our wisdom. That's the first thing. Verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Question your wisdom. I mean, think about it. What actually is wisdom? What is it? Take a second and maybe kind of answer that in your heads. What is it? What we need to understand is that wisdom, as described in the scriptures, is different to how our world generally understands it. Uh, so uh, you might have seen this banner uh, nearby, uh, a couple of streets away on Dover Road. Has anyone seen that? Uh, yeah, it's there. You might have just not noticed it. There's this banner up there. It's quite interesting. Um, and it says this. It says, Wisdom is the ability to use your experience and knowledge in order to make sensible decisions and judgments. Okay. Now, I quite like that. That definition of wisdom is pretty helpful in many ways. But it also brings problems. You see, all our knowledge, all our experience, are, they're all limited, aren't they? They're limited. And because they're limited, they can directly kind of contradict other people's knowledge and experience, of course. So no wonder kind of so-called wise people, we just kind of clash all the time, of course. Uh, take a really everyday example. A bit silly, really. But uh, last Friday morning, uh, on my day off, my wife, Karis, and I had an argument in the kitchen, Okay. Uh, we were making a simple meal uh, for friends, and it had gone a little bit wrong. 
And one of us thought we could not serve this food to our friends, and one of us thought we could serve this food to our friends. Uh, now, Karish and I are quite sensible people, I think. Uh, but her sensible judgment clashed with my sensible judgments. And so we argued. So this wisdom did not help us at that point at all. It just didn't help us. Because at that moment, we did not have humility. We were both kind of puffed up in our hearts. We were both, my way is the right way. Yeah? So when any of us clash, this wisdom doesn't help us really. So what's the alternative? Well, the vital insight from this verse is that real wisdom is always, always humble. Humble. Uh, Real wisdom in the Bible uh, starts with Christians are uh, limited sinful creatures in relationship with a God who is glorious and majestic and creator all righteous, yeah? So compared with God, are we clever? No. Are we good? No. Are we always in the right? No. Not compared with God? No. Do we really know what's best for ourselves and for the world? No. Humility. Humility. And James says, question your wisdom. Is our wisdom humble wisdom? So, in our relationships with anyone at church, are we being humble in that? Let's think of some examples, really. But So, think of someone who sends you an angry message, or said that comment, or who didn't say sorry, or you just find difficult. Think of that person. The, the world's wisdom says... What do I think is right to do now? That's what the world says. Humble wisdom says, what does God think is right in this situation? And what's right to God is peace-loving humility. Now, James helps us out here. Uh, What he does is he, he invites us to be honest about how we're doing with this. He says, look at our behavior. What does it show Verse 13, he says, is it, verse 13, is it a good life, deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom? Is it that? Have a close look. Look at the detail of your behavior. God's not going to condemn you. Jesus died for you. Your sins are paid for. If you trust in him, that's okay. So, So have a close look. How are you doing? Think back to my disagreement I talked about at the start. As I've reflected on that, it's really helped me to look closely at my behavior then, and to ask, was I humble? Was I humble? So I've looked over the email sent, and I've replayed the conversations I've had, and I realized that at crucial points, I got quite defensive. And that wasn't humble. It wasn't humble. Question your wisdom. That's the first step. Uh, Then what's next? Verses 14 to 16 Uh, quieten your envy. So verse 14. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Bitter envy and selfish ambition. These can come out in all sorts of ways. You know, so uh, stoking gossip against someone you're annoyed at. 
Or you're angry when someone gets praised and you don't. Or it maddens you when you've got a great idea, you think, but someone says, no, I disagree with that. It's like, what, what do you mean you disagree with that? Oh, it's like some of those things can maybe kind of feel small, but you might think that they feel small, but that, that, that's not kind of bitter envy or selfish ambition. They might think that, but, and, it, and it might not be that. It might not be envy and selfish ambition, but it is if to any degree we just find ourselves wanting to kind of assert ourselves. So, you know, kind of any thoughts like, I'm so annoyed, I wish I could just uh, shake you up. I just, I just want to get my way in this, that kind of thing. James says, well, at that moment, he says, do not boast about it. Do you see that phrase there? So that uh, urge there to assert yourself, don't put any confidence in it. Stop. That is not a wise path to walk down. Now, I do need to make clear that what James is not saying is, if you have a strong opinion, it's got to be wrong. He's not saying that. You know, if your opinion, your reasons, uh, uh, they might really be fair. But if it becomes something more than that, what he's talking about, if it becomes, I've got to get my way in this, that's become a dangerous moment. It might have become envy or selfish ambition. James says, at that point, whatever it is, at that point, you've got to stop, pause, don't get there. Asserting yourself is not the way to go about it. Now, in case James's listeners need any more convincing about how um, serious this is, he gives some pretty big extra reasons here. Um, he says, first of all, he says that envy, that wanting to assert yourself, that, now it might sound a position of strength, but in actual fact, that envy is you being influenced by evil. He says. So look with me at verse 15. Verse 15. Such so-called wisdom does not come down from heaven, so it's not godly wisdom, but rather it's earthly. It's earthbound. It fails to consider God's. It's unspiritual, so it's from the part inside us ruled not by God, but by our own kind of human reason and feeling. It's unspiritual. And strongest of all, do you see, it's demonic. It's from evil influence. Now, how does that make you feel reading that? That is strong language. Do you realize how vulnerable we can be to evil influence? We don't want that, do we? So what was going on in my heart when I wrote that kind of blunt email I mentioned earlier? Well, James says, well, at that moment when I got defensive, I so wanted things my way that my heart wanted evil at that point. And that's been really convicting for me to think about. Really convicting. Uh, There's one more reason for quietening our envy. Uh, James says, uh, because it has a deadly, deadly effect as well. So verse 16 He says, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder, chaos, and every evil practice. In other words, envy destroys. It eats away at your church. It pulls people apart. And you might not even have a healthy church left over at the end of it. So quieten our envy. Stop. Don't go there. 
Never assert ourselves over other people. And so to verses um, 17 to 18. James doesn't want doesn't to condemn his readers. He wants to help them. So he changes his tone here. He says, effectively, be quick to seek peace. Be quick to seek peace. He's saying, in our relationships with anyone at church, make effort to, to move towards each other so that peace can grow. Now, how do we be quick to do this? Well, first of all, ask for God's help. Ask for God's help. If you just go on to the next slide, just uh, have those coming down there. Ask for God's help. So this is the, um, uh, the upwards direction of peacemaking, us and God, okay? Verse 17, he says this. He says, what we need is the wisdom that comes from heaven. Uh, real wisdom, as, we, as we've seen, isn't from uh, intellectual knowledge or even experience. It's not that. It's from heaven. It's a gift. And only God can give it. So ask for it. Ask for his uh, spirit to fill you again. You know, all believers have all the Holy, Holy Spirit at all the time. So ask for God's spirit to help you. Please, God, I need to think rightly here. I need humility here. Please, can I help me? Ask for God's help. Second, uh, act in peace. Act in peace. This is the, um, the outwards direction of peacemaking you know, between us and our brothers and sisters. Act in peace. So making peace, it's not just passive. It's active. It's deliberate. Um, it's, it's, it's not about kind of never discussing tricky things. It's not that. It's about behaving with others constructively. So look with me at verse 17. Verse 17, he says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, is what? It's first of all pure. So, so God adores it. Then peace-loving, which is considerate, in other words, um, we're okay with kind of yielding to others, not demanding strict claims. We're okay being approached. We're okay approaching others if that would help. Doing it as friends. Consider it. And submissive, not a word we often like, but um, meaning kind of we're okay deferring to others if we need to. Submissive, then full of mercy and good fruit. So you can actually kind of do something out of love for other people to help. And then impartial, so treat everyone fairly and with grace. And sincere, be genuine, don't be a fake. How's that list for you? How's that list for you? What stands out for you from that? What stands out for your heart? Perhaps, where has the strain of COVID been testing and stretching you? Where in this list do you feel weakest right now, here tonight? I've been thinking this kind of for myself, really. I mean, I'm personally, naturally, I'm a peacemaker. That's my default, really. Uh, and you might think, great, that'd be great at making peace. Well, 
Not quite. Um, being a peacemaker can be, not being a pacemaker, that's something completely different. Being a peacemaker uh, can make me want to run away from things, from difficult things, you know, take the easy route. Yeah? And COVID, I would say for me, kind of only kind of amplified those uh, tendencies. Now I've realized I need God's spirit to grow in me, especially in a couple of ways, I think. So first in being sincere, so not pretending things are okay when they need addressing. And secondly, being full of mercy and good fruit for me, you know, to deliberately approaching someone in a kind way, a way that would help and have a good impact. For me, that's for me. What about you? What would it be for you? Ask for God's help. Act in peace. And then expect good fruit. Verse 18. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So righteousness, that's a conduct pleasing to God, will grow. It can take time. Uh, spiritual fruit, like uh, uh, normal fruit, doesn't grow overnight, doesn't. It takes time, it takes tending, it takes care, it takes patience. But it will grow. Again, think of my disagreements uh, last year. I am so grateful to them and to God for how the people involved in that uh, have graciously moved towards me and I try to do the same. They have shown me warmth, they've shown me concern and kindness, uh, they've said how they've prayed for me. Peace has been growing between us. That's how God works. How do we make peace in our church? Answer, peace-loving humility. Question our wisdom, quieten our envy, and be quick to seek peace. So can I ask, where can you help grow peace here at St. John's? What about you? Uh, Two things for us uh, before we finish. Uh, first, how about a specific matter for us as a church at the moment, which is we do need to think, how does this kind of peacemaking speak into our conversations about racism? Partly because it's particularly on our minds at the moment. And, and three weeks ago, we had our open to questions evening on race and racism. And pe- many people have rightly said, can, can we can just keep this conversation going? I also believe that specifically in terms of racism and church, well, racism is a peacemaking issue, in part. So God would have it that talking about racism and any kind of prejudice is something to help heal hurts and to bind us closer together. And part of that is really through the very way we can even talk about it. Uh, we need to talk with peace-loving humility. Uh, what does that mean for how we talk about it? Well, remember, real wisdom is considerate. Considerate. So it's got to mean all of us uh, treating each other as friends, surely. Not using each other as a school project, as it were. Not kind of, I'm talking to you because I've been told I need to understand about racism. Well, no, not that. Not projects, but people. Friends. I think it means each of us questioning our wisdom. You know, I've always assumed this or that, but 
Maybe I've got that wrong. Perhaps especially for those of us who have not experienced racism, and I include myself in that. Let's remember that some of our brothers and sisters who have experienced racism have been humble and patient for a long time, wanting to help people understand the personal impact on them, but sad when that's been rebuffed in the past. So let's not make it harder for anyone by kind of jumping to question everything that's said or jumping to question other people's wisdom. We need to question my own wisdom first. That's how we talk together. We need to listen with humility. Humility. Humble that how we understand things might be wrong. Humble that things I've said and done might have been harmful. Humility. Peace-loving humility. We're coming towards a close now. As we do that, we need to know, we need to know that to have any chance of growing as a church with peace-loving humility, we have to spend time at the cross. At the cross. What do we see when we gaze on Jesus Christ, the Son of God, crucified? What do we see? You know, his death was the loving sacrifice before God to, to pay the debt of all that we do wrong against God if we put our trust in Jesus. What do we see when we gaze on him hanging there, frankly, dead? What do we see? We see that it's our so-called wisdom that killed him. The world, in its wisdom, murdered the wisest man who ever lived. That's us, effectively. That's how unwise we are, naturally. Our wisdom killed the Son of God. We also see that it's our envy that killed him. It's our sin that needs the Son of God to sacrifice his life for us, to pay our debt. Our envy killed him, in that sense. Finally, we see that it's, it's his ultimate peace-loving humility that killed him too. The Son of God chose to humble himself down from heaven to become human and die. He chose that. Why? To make peace between us and God and through that to make peace between each other in his church. We want to make peace in our church. We want to grow as a, a community in peace-loving humility. Keep gazing on our crucified Lord and Saviour, Jesus. There, for us, is wisdom and peace. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, uh, we admit that we can be very quick to accuse, attack, envy, and assert ourselves. Sorry. We're sorry. 
Thank you that you made peace with us at the greatest cost imaginable in Jesus. So please help us by your spirit in us to move us towards each other in humility. Make us actually a body of humble peace together. And through that, may you show us and the people who see us just how wonderful you are. Let me pray in Jesus' name. Amen.